Thank you, worship team. Isn't that beautiful that Jesus Christ thought of us above all? That was beautiful, isn't it? Thank you again, and thank you. Let's this uh, morning open our Bibles to the book of Acts, please. Chapter 3. I want to read uh, to you the first ten verses as a background. And then uh, we'll leave that miracle there and we'll refer to it a little bit later on. Book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were up to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were Entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said... I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. What had happened to him. May God bless his word. This is what happened. Like. Few. Days, weeks, months after. The Lord. After they celebrated the. 50th day and the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples and the disciples started their, their mission that the Lord has commissioned to do. And here comes Peter accompanied with John and they through Jesus Christ our Lord did this wonderful miracle. And after that, and people gathered around them to watch and see. And, of course, some of them praising God. 
So he delivered his second sermon after the Lord's departure into heaven. And while he was delivering his second sermon, he took advantage, and may the Lord help us to take advantage of every opportunity, folks. And after almost he finished the second sermon, uh, chapter 4 and verse 1 says, And as they were speaking, John and Peter, to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse 2, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And what happened? They laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day for it was already evening. The next day came and here's the, all the Sanhedrin and all those well-known Jewish leaders put them in the middle and brought them to interrogate them and ask them these questions. And verse 13, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. We'll review the rest as we go on. What attracted me in this passage, 3 and 4, is the courage in the face of opposition. Courage in the face of opposition. The healing of the lame man in the chapter that we read, is a miracle that brings the first wave of opposition against the early church. Is the church today facing opposition? I see. Remember that. And as he delivered his second sermon, calling on the people to repent, And returned from their wicked ways that their sins may be wiped out. This disturbed the priests and the supporters. And uh, they laid hands on them as we read. And uh, they uh, brought brought them in. And next day they had a meeting. The council meeting. They put them in the middle. And if you continue reading, you find out that who was with them? The man who got healed. He didn't want to miss any. And he didn't care whether, whether the council will kick him out or will banish him. He didn't care. He was there on their side. He stood in the midst of these people. 
And they challenged them. This is the opposition. Church, I tell you one thing. We should not worry when our voices are challenged. Remember, as we see Peter and John standing, they were not trembling. They were not fearful. They were not worried what's going to happen to us from jail to jail. Are they going to beat us? Are they going to kick us out of town? They didn't care about that. The voice of the world didn't matter to them. What matters to them is the voice of God. What they hear. And this is, to me, I find it a courageous stand. Don't you think so? And this is the first time we see the church represented by Peter and John or the believers there, disciples, taking a stand and exhibiting a genuine Christian conviction and courage. This should challenge us, ladies and gentlemen. And I said, as I said before in the Talking to you about Jonah, about, uh, about, um, uh, who, who remember? Again, Noah. About Noah. As it was the day, as were in the days of Noah, it is the day, t- today, it happens. As it were in the days of the disciples, it is happening in our days. It is now. The church is under fire today. You agree with that? You, you, you might not feel it here, but I do feel it. I feel it. The church is under fire in the United States. That bed of Christianity. People are rejecting Christ. And they are finding ways and means to stop Christianity from spreading, but no one can stop it. No decree, nor order, nor anyone under the sun. Christianity is still alive and it's going forward until we meet our Savior up there. We are under fire. They were under fire. We are the same. We are being mocked. Christians are being persecuted. And you read about Christians in the Middle East. And far away places in Pakistan and in all other places, they're being killed because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches are being burned and the faithful are being chased, killed, their homes burned, etc. You know, I read, recently I read that the church is going underground in some parts of the Middle East. Does it remind you of something? As it were in the days of the apostles, so it is now. And we're seeing it. We read about it. We feel it. Hatred to the gospel of Christ. This is the reason. So you say, what's the reason? We're all a human being, but why are they killing the Christians? 
Why are they persecuting those who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I challenge you, church, this morning. I wish all of us were here today. But those who are here, they're, they don't like the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to listen. It says, Adol, you say, gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Do you want the definition of the gospel? Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A few pages down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 1. And Paul is giving a definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, he writes, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand. To which, by which, also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe, you believed in vain. For, this is it, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. The world does not want to hear about Christ died. You know, because there's something after that. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Hallelujah for this definition. They don't want to hear about Christ died and he was raised. They don't want to hear about the gospel convicts them of their sins. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what Peter, the illiterate people, uneducated, as it says in the Bible. Peter, I, didn't know, I don't know whether he had time to go to a theology school. With all respect to all the theologians amongst us and in the schools around us that are teaching the Bible, God bless them. But Peter did not have time to go there. The only theology school that he was and still is, was at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only, the only theology he had is the Holy Spirit taken from God and speaking through him. And that's why? This is the gospel. This, when we say the gospel, people don't like it because the gospel includes the coming to this word of Jesus Christ that he died for our sins and rose for our justification. And that's what Peter was delivering. They didn't like it. I want to tell you something. The church fears. It's a point for you. No earthly power. Are you afraid? Are you afraid as a Christian? This is why I want to encourage you this morning. Now this afternoon. Since the church was, was born at Pentecost. The disciples preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his resurrection everywhere they went. Many got saved. Many. And others formed mobs or parties against them. And here before us today, two of the disciples, thrown in jail by the leaders of so-called religious leaders, the religious leaders of that temple, they had vested interests. And what they're preaching, 
goes against their vested interests and positions. So they threw them there. And what was their sin? Would you, would you, if you go home and read it and find out what was their sin? As I said, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his message, when you go home, read it in chapter 3, he convicts them. He tells them about Jesus Christ who came and died and rose from amongst the dead. May I take you back in history of our nation, of our nation. I hope you're awake to listen. In the state of Virginia, which was settled first by members of the Church of England, a state church existed for a while. Those of you who studied, I, I would encourage you to study the history of the United States. It's so good. It's so good. Two Baptist preachers were jailed in Virginia because they had no Episcopal, Episcopal license to preach. Go to the books. Patrick Henry came to the courthouse during the trial to defend these men. Holding the indictment in his hand, he stood up in the court and asked, What is the indictment against these men? Isn't that the same story of this man who stood long time ago before the Sanhedrin? What is the indictment? Preaching the glorious gospel of the Son of God, great God. This is the indictment. I have it in my hands, ladies and gentlemen. Are there no thieves, he said, going around free, not arrested and not convicted? Are there no murderers? Upon whom to visit the vengeance of the law, you must indict and try these men for preaching the gospel. His impassioned plea resulted in the release of these two Baptist preachers. He stood for God and he mentioned the great God. And God forbid, if we have to stand before authorities one of these days, how are we going to stand? Are we going to give in? Or are we going to stand for our Lord Jesus Christ? Church, this is the courage that brought to us the good word and the word that we're preaching today. Men and women who stood for the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we need to stand. Oh, we'll say, what's going to happen? What's happening far away? And so many people say, it's far away from us. Thank God we are in the United States. Let me draw your attention to something. Do we still believe in God as we used to? Are we still a Christian nation the way we were founded? Are people adopting theories and beliefs other than the Christian beliefs and say, well, we're all a melting pot and the nations and we should recognize every God? There is only one God for your information. And this God was incarnated in the Lord Jesus Christ who came to die 
and rose for our justification. And this is the gospel that we preach. Come jail or anything else. The church there feared no earthly power. I encourage you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do not fear. Stand firm. And the Christian, another point for you, has no choice. Once you enlisted in Christ's army, you have no choice. You know one thing? You cannot leave it. I have news for you. Because you are in the hands of the Almighty God. Even if you try. Your salvation has been secured and has been written and has been signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you cannot erase his blood. You cannot get a discharge. Even you, you want to have an honorary discharge. You cannot. And I'm thankful that I cannot. I'm enlisted for good. I cannot retire. I will never retire. I will die a child of God. Serving him, whether from the pulpit or from day to day, I am going to die serving him. Mark my words. You who live after me know that I will die serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Go serve him. Go serve him. We have no choice. Let's look at their answer. Let's look at the answer of these two people. You know, they, they looked at them. They couldn't find anything. By which power? Power of Jesus Christ. And they couldn't, they could not kick the man out of the council. He is standing there with them. How? Is he sitting? No. Did he take some medication that in two weeks he'll be, leave, he'll be moving the first leg and the second week the second leg and two months in therapy, right? The man was standing. The man immediately, he was raised and he was standing with them. He didn't want to sit because he wanted to show them. And he's standing with them. He says, well, we can't do anything. Let's do something. Let's do something. Your Bibles, please. Let's go back. To Acts chapter 4. I like Bible study. <laughs> Alright. Verse 16. They looked at each other. What shall we do with this man? Uneducated, yes. Untrained, yes. But we recognize them. They have been with Jesus. What, what shall we do with these? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. They were trapped. And tell you one thing, when you stand for Jesus Christ, your enemy will be trapped. Because he traps them in their own device. He trapped them. And then they decided to do something, he says. Okay, but in order, 17, that it may not spread any further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And they warned them many times. 
What did they answer? Okay. Peter, this is not politically right. You have to remember, we are under the Roman order. And you have to respect us. We're trying to build an image. Hmm? And every day they wear all their beautiful robes and go around. They want authority. This is not politically right. It says, since when do I? I am, I am, I don't care for whether I'm politically right or not. I am politically godly. I honor God. And John said with him, and said, okay, this is what you need to do, and don't open your mouth again. But Peter, in verse 19, and John, here's my answer. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to your to you rather than to God, you be the judge. You, you can say whatever you want to say. Didn't? Okay, but here's what we are saying. We cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Simple answer. We didn't need a lawyer with the respect to our, our lawyer. We have two lawyers at least here amongst us. And we don't need them. We don't need to hire, uh, to hire both of you gentlemen to stand. We have. I said, we don't need anything. What we have, we have seen, what we've heard, we believe in that. We're not backing off. You want to beat us? Welcome. You want to kick us out? Welcome. You want to put us in jail? You're welcome. What a courage. We need that courage. We need that courage. We might not reach that point. But if we reach that point, church, please take a stand. And today take a stand. Wherever you are. Students at school. College students at college. Men at work, women who are working, at home, anywhere, stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no other choice, do we? In my opinion, we have no other choice. We do not have to keep silent. We don't have the power to keep silent. And we don't want. Well, Peter said, we don't want any other choice. We are happy with this choice. H.G. Wells once said, the trouble with so many people, and listen to this, is that the voice of their neighbors sounds louder in their ears than the voice of their God. God said, I'm with you, regardless until the end, he just told them recently. Until the end of the age. And Peter says, he's with me. Some said of John Knox, he feared God so much that he never feared the face of any man. William Barclay writes in his book, The Acts of the Apostles, this incident, a Papal envoy, having threatened Martin Luther, you, 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 you heard of Martin Luther, by saying that his followers were deser- deserting 
him. And then he looked at Luther and he asked him, challenging him. Then, where will you be? All your friends and followers are deserting you. Where will you be? Luther replied, then as now, I will be in the hands of God. This is where you are. This is where you want to be. And this is where you will find God to stand with you in the time of need. This is our challenge today, church. Are we to stand in the face of this enormous tide against God, against his church, against the Christians, against the believers? Or shall we fall and join, as I said, the majority and live a watered-down Christianity? Do we have the courage that empowered the early Christians, Peter, John, and the early Christians, who sought their, who threw their face in the Almighty? Threw their face in the Almighty. Let me read a few things to you. Conquered kingdoms. Performed acts of righteousness. Obtained promises. Shut the mouth of lions. Quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword and put foreign armies to flight. You will find it in Hebrews 11, 33 and 34. We are called for this honor. And it's an honor to serve God. And it's an honor to be called the Christians. And it's an honor to be called the children of God. We are called children. Let us not forget where we are with this. Let's forget who is our father. In this atheistic age, to stand and fight the good fight till the last moment of our lives. Truly, we have no other choice, do we? My final word, word is to you is, the Christian has one Lord and no life without him. That's my experience, and I hope it's yours. Peter makes it very clear that the lame man that we read about has been healed through the name of Jesus Christ, and we know that. The two, the two disciples realized this very important thing. They cannot afford to pay attention to the loud shouting of worldly voices. For their Lord, they considered, their Lord is the Lord of all. Listen to Peter and his, this courageous man. I, I wish we, we can imitate his style. Listen to him addressing the crowd in chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. Let it be known to all of you. Is this a challenge? They were challenging him. But he says, wait a minute. He turned the tide around. Let it be known. And to all the people of Israel... I am not fearful of anyone that by the name of Jesus the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his name, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. That is courage. 
And then he gives them the final in verse 12. And there is no salvation in no one else. Stop telling me about the name of this and that. There is no salvation. It's not in works. It's not in being good. It's not in joining a church. It's not in being in a certain faith. Not at all. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Close the subject. Where is timid Peter? It's gone. Where is the denying Peter? Nowhere to be found since Jesus met him on the shore of Tiberias. He turned his life around. What a stand, what a courage. And at this junction in our lives, I encourage the church, as you're standing, continue standing for the Lord Jesus Christ and fight the good fight of faith. Let those who oppose scream and shout and threaten. Our God is supreme. He said, no weapon, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Do you believe in that? Then go forward. When Peter stood up to address the opponents of Christianity, he, he, he held up before them the Lord Jesus Christ, whom they crucified. He told them that he asked whom God has raised him from the dead and said to them, here's your last chance. Here's your last chance. An offer you cannot afford to refuse. Notice that Peter was placing the resurrected Christ. And this is what we believe in. Before the people's eyes to see that in him alone there is power over sin and death. With courage never seen before, Peter preached this gospel. Our gospel. The gospel that can change lives. And I hope this gospel has changed your life. And he can change your life as you're sitting in that seat today. All through the ages... This power brought sight to the blind. Yes, life for the dead, healing for the sick, and forgiveness for so many in this world. This is the only answer to today's problems. Jesus alone. E. Stanley Jones, one of the great men of God, was correct when he wrote, Christ or chaos? Which one do you want? Let's pray. Through every storm and every upheaval, the gospel survives and the church lives. The Sanhedrin body threatened them and let them go. Where did they go? In all ages, one test of a Christian's character is where he finds fellowship and companionship. Are we ready to take the challenge? Do we have that courage? Do you want this church 
people to say this is a vibrant church. They stand for Christ. Or do you want us to live as as yeah, like so many other churches? The answer is no. We want to honor Christ and live for him. Amen. Our Father, take our hearts, take our lives, take our futures, take our presence, take everything and use it for your gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. May this word bring fruits in our lives. Give us the courage to fight a good fight. Bless each and every one. Dismiss us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.